Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker and Alex, and we watch Double Impact, movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bello Young, and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Man, really, really overstepping his boundaries. <laughs> the absolute <laughs> nerve. And also their triplet, Parker. <laughs> I love the character of Uncle Daddy, the man I connected with the most the entire movie. <laughs> Oh man! Well, it's uh, this is double the Van Dam. Uh, I can't believe I haven't seen this yet. Uh, it feels double like the some... length it should be. Correct. A- also true. Yeah. Um, we're not <laughs> going to go 50, into every single detail. But also, there's at least five notes in the movie where I'm like, wait, how do we get here? Why are they? Here? Oh yeah, yeah. I... Why is he there carrying multiple that giant box of the movie of where wine? I'm just... Oh, that's fine. There's so many parts of the movie where I have like nothing to say, but uh, before we get into, or before we don't get into it, uh, <laughs> Parker, um, I guess I'll start off the news segment, do something that I guess we don't really do here, a moment of sincerity. Uh, I feel really bad that Trevor Moore passed away. Uh, I think he was really, really funny. I, I, he was the founder of the Wise Kids You Know, the Tromedy Coop. He, uh, he had some stand specials. I think he was working on a movie uh, that was completed right at, right before his death and um he leaves behind uh, a wife and a son and he was only 40 years old and i think it's really shitty that he's dead legitimately bum me out in a way i wasn't expecting sorry like i, I was no i just sat at work one day and was like oh i have a new notification and i just saw that headline i was like that's fucking impossible yeah i don't i don't know how it was but i i guess it ultimately doesn't matter because uh I, I don't know, I really liked his stuff. Uh, unfortunately, if I were to name my favorite sketches from him, it would sort of take the air out of uh, the, this <laughs> solemn moment. <laughs> uh, which one's the best? The the gallon of PCP? The Abraham it's, Lincoln sketch? It's uh, up there. I, I, I tend to go with the two British guys peeing on each other's legs. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, that guy was really fun. I, I really liked the political, the fake political uh, representative ad that he uh, filmed. I thought that was really good, and... Uh, Really ahead of its time. Uh, I don't know. It's really good, but I'll I'll end this by saying, don't watch Miss March. I wasn't gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Not gonna sully the memory. <laughs> that movie looks yeah. wretched. Yeah, Parker. Any funny news? Oh no, it's the only news I wrote down, buddy. I've been a busy beaver this week. So thank uh, okay, you. how about how about this one? <laughs> uh, thank you to uh, Will Meneker, a friend of the show on our sister podcast, Chapo Trap House, for posting the uh, the poster of Dune and saying that uh, the main character's doing the Virgin Walk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would talk about Idris Elba being in Knuckles and Sonic Two, but also I still haven't seen the first one. Just same. Throwing yeah, that landmine out there for both of us. It's it's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Saying. My understanding is it isn't 
mean enough to assign to either yeah. of us, so I think we're in the clear. It doesn't seem oh, mean correct, enough, it doesn't yeah. seem bad yeah. enough, and also I don't care about Sonic games, so it, you know, Same. Yeah, it just kind of sits yeah. there. The Not only reason that I don't shit on Sonic more is because Mega Man exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, Mega Man fans aren't strong enough to defend themselves. <laughs> That's a good point. Most of them can, probably can't even stand up. Yeah. I'm not going to say shit about Sonic fans because I've seen what they're capable of in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the last week. Oh, yeah. my feet. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. Well, uh, Alex, I guess you didn't hear the news about a uh, friend of the show. Friend of the should show. We, should we and mention it? Christian Chandler. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah, that. yeah. I don't care about that guy. Whatever. Yeah, well. Go fuck your mom some more, dude. Who gives yeah, a shit? Moms of Virginia, beware. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, tell us about your roommate. <laughs> oh, Alex didn't hear. I forgot to say this. Uh, well, is this part of the news segment still? Yeah, I don't know if I should cut this. Uh, I'll consider Do it. Also, cut it. He's in the room right over there, so I can't be as loud as usual. Um, yesterday, I was showing off my room to prospective tenants, and uh, did you show I, them the bayonets? I did not. Those are hidden <laughs> underneath the, uh, the bed. These don't um, come with the house. Look, there's some great hidden storage space under here where yeah. I put my own. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had like three people coming in one day, so I'm just like constantly showing people stuff. I'm like, I'm kind of busy, so it was kind of annoying. I will say positive here. He uh, finally got rid of that old towel, so now he has two new ones hanging up where the old one was. They both have yeah. the tags still attached. Yes, and uh, And anyway, everyone who was coming in there, I was like... The whole time he's on the phone. Whenever he's on the phone, he's always yelling about something. He's like really, really loud about it. I don't know. Wouldn't if he know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> no one ever calls you. <laughs> anyway, uh, this time I don't know who he was calling, but he was talking about Chris Chan, um, uh, and, uh, and all the oh, news man. attached with it. <laughs> and he was talking about it really loudly. So I, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you could. I got like people coming over to look at the room. So if you could like." You know, he's like, oh, and he he went into the bathroom and locked himself in there. It was still loud enough to be heard outside of it. <laughs> so uh, he compared Chris. He he was talking about how uh, he was thinking about purchasing one of Christian's art pieces. Um, oh, I don't know. Put why that right you... up in the living room, dude. That's gonna increase yeah. the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> I I don't. He compared him to uh, Francis Bacon. And Who else Salvador did he compare to, Chris? Who else did he compare to? Salvador Dali. <laughs> Thank you for getting a certain clown prince of crime. He also compared he also he also compared uh, Chris Chan to the Joker. Uh, That's weird. Why were you so reluctant to say that to me, Chris? <laughs> he. Uh, I'm a good influence. Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> Uh, he was like, "Yeah, some people are saying he's a modern day Joker because we don't know who's to blame. Maybe it's the monster, <laughs> Many or maybe people are saying, or maybe it's the monster that society created." These are his words, not mine. So. Imagining this at a Bill Burr volume in your bathroom while you're trying to sell your house—it's <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> it was a. Uh, and, and the thing is, why I told Parker about this, he was just like, he imagined, like, I'm moving out downstairs with, like, a big, heavy, like, cardboard box, and Parker's just walking past me with, like, a laptop and a Sakachu necla uh, necklace. <laughs> I found my sorry. new best friend. <laughs> and then we were just like, morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. <laughs> Does, uh, has this guy ever been introduced to the hacker? Actually... Uh, yeah, he has. Uh, they, um... Hell yeah, dude. The, the hacker did not like him. Uh, he, yeah? They, Wonder why. They were, uh, they were not friends at all, because the hacker liked it when people do, do their dishes, and, uh, 
he doesn't like to do his dishes, so friction <laughs> just, there. Imagining uh, just reverberating through the house. He's like, yeah, so here there's a small little breakfast nook, you know. <laughs> the, the sunlight comes in just right in the morning. Fuck his mom! Crazy! <laughs> I'm sorry, hang on, hang on. She fucked her mom. I get confused. <laughs> and um, uh, kind of a kind of a lower level uh, dining room here. You got the little blue Alice in Wonderland type chair. It's out of no. No, it's Sonic and Pikachu. It's both. <laughs> just, I'm just like explaining. You know, we really redid the bathroom. Did a good job, but you just hear in the background, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know what Kiwi Farms is? No, hold up. No, I'm taking this call outside. Uh, Alex, I'll put a little button on the end of this story. At some point, I heard him mention a two-word phrase that will haunt me for the rest of my life. He said, I was there for the Liquid Chris phase. I don't know who what Liquid on Chris earth? is. Man, I, look, I have like never known or cared anything about any of this lore, and I want to keep it that way. So if and when you find out, Parker's DMs are open. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I was thinking, oh, Liquid Chris, maybe it's like Liquid Snake from like Metal Gear Solid, but then Parker was just like, well, it's better than Naked Chris, and that hurt my self-esteem. <laughs> Sometimes you think things, you're like, well, he made me think this, so now he has to know it too. <laughs> I, okay. I was catching it with Christian shit when I was like 18, so like, the jump from, oh, I remember the, oh, oh, I see, <laughs> it was real, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, it's, there is a bit, yeah. Anyway, uh, on a related subject, let's get into our Jerks of the Week. Oh, fuck, I can't believe you've done this. I'll let you guys go first. So my Jerk of the Week is the twisted mind of James Gunn for throwing a birthday party. In which he encouraged his all of his guests to dress up as either a child or a pedophile, and not inviting us. Wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Oh, yeah. What? He what? threw a pedophile-themed birthday party. <laughs> are, are you are you serious? I am completely serious. <laughs> what the fuck? How did no one tell me? <laughs> this can't be real. The chain of command has failed. The fact that I'm just now learning about this. For a variety Look, of reasons, some better Do you better think someone dressed up as Rick Rape? <laughs> <laughs> Who invited you to my birthday party? <laughs> oh, man. I... Oh, that's how that one fucking musician got cancelled for... I don't even remember which one it was. Which musician just got outed as, like, a pedophile again for, like, the uh, time? I... I don't think I know. I don't know, but apparently he was at James Gunn's pedo party, so, uh... As himself? There you go. Okay. Open. <laughs> Probably. Incognito tab here. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. I can safely say, I am, I am not going to look this up to see if it's true. I will not verify the veracity of it, okay? This is... Man, this is how fake news starts. People are too afraid to know the truth. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't going to look it up after I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not going to fucking look this several up. Several hundred retweets. So, oh, well, you know, in that that's case, probably yeah. real. That's, yeah, okay. Uh, the, the twisted mind. <laughs> okay, well. My, my jerk of the week is the Lord God, our Savior, creator of all men, for making my head so fucking huge. Uh, <laughs> No, no story. Just leave it at that. I, I needed... <laughs> no, actually, this is also going to be a visual gag for uh, Alex and Parker. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
I, I needed new uh, sunglasses because uh, the sunglasses that I have are, are perfectly fine, but like I, I tend to lose them or I leave them behind at like a friend's house or something like that. So I'm like, I should have a spare pair of sunglasses. And once you know it, I was at a yard sale and I found an unopened pair of uh, Tom Cruise Top Gun sunglasses, like the aviators with like the little like logo on it and everything. I'm like, five bucks? That's, that, that's a steal. I have to get this. So I got them and I put them on. And my head is so fucking huge, I look like Steven Seagal with these on. <laughs> I fucking hate this. But uh, I'm yeah, going to keep wearing them. It's fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. Uh, Let your head all shrink. I, it's cool. Yeah, I just have to keep watching these terrible movies, and eventually I'll lose enough, like, brain data, and my head Oh, buddy, shrink. trust me, it doesn't work. Hey, hey guess what, man? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Oh. Parker, who's your jerk of the week? Hey, you remember how Space Jam 2 is just, like, the worst fucking advertisement for everything in the Warner Library? Yeah. Well, I'm just scrolling along HBO Max. I'm like, what's this cartoon? These characters look familiar. Why, Chris, it's a show called Jellystone, which features characters from Yogi Bear, the Huckleberry Hound Show, the Quick Draw McGraw Show, the Peter Potamus Show, the Adam Ant and Secret Squirrel Show, the Wally Gator Show, and the Magilla Gorilla Show. All of your favorites are back. So it turns out every time you looked in the crowd and went, is, is, is that Magilla Gorilla? It was the plug a new cartoon that will make you want to die. Art oh, it's is dead. new? Brand spanking new under the oh, new my. releases tab. What is this? Some kind of suicide squad? Holy shit. Chris, please we, do that. We will do not get to that. Never That's in your new life. it's I'm gonna make that your new like uh, audio segment <laughs> instead of instead of saying uh, you know, no one knows what it means, so it's provocative. I'm gonna make it was some kind of suicide squad. <laughs> Well, watching like, real. I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> looking in your eyes, like as you thought it, felt bad about thinking it, or like, oh, I have to say it. I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's in the contract. I, I literally yeah. have to say yeah. it. I understand. Right, yeah. Unbelievable. Understand. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for that. Well, somebody enjoy your segue. Well, well Chris, uh, he's not real mad about this. Sounds like you're madly in anger with our good friend Alex. <laughs> oh, I just assumed one of you idiots watched it. Now, uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, Parker mentioned last week that he watched the uh, the Metallica documentary called Something Something Who Gives a Shit. And Correct. that was about the making of the album or the recovery that led up to the creation of the album St. Anger. Now, Parker, I don't remember if you said it on the show, but I think you may have said to uh, both of us, dudes, just try to listen to one song from this album. And we were both like, oh yeah, sure, except Alex was going like this under the table, so uh, I was stuck doing it on my own. And I was just like, I've definitely heard a lot about this album, but I never actually listened to it, because, I don't know, I was never a big Metallica guy. So I'm like, okay, how about I just listen to the album? How bad could it possibly be? I go into the shower, and I hit play on the album on, like, YouTube on my phone, Dude, when it, by the time it got to the fourth track, I stopped shaving, I got out of the shower, I just turned off my phone. I didn't even rinse, okay? There's still, like, soap all over me, I just dried off, I'm like, I can't take it anymore. The first two tracks are so embarrassing. The first one is Frantic. Uh, that's the one that goes Frantic, Tick, 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 tick Tock, which is, uh, 
That's really bad. And the other one is uh, Saint Anger, which has the immortal line, I'm madly in anger with you. About uh, 17 or 18 times. Yeah. Which again, uh, no solos, seven minute song. You figure it out. Yeah, about the no solos thing. Alex, I know you and I have drastically different opinions in music. The only thing we seem to agree on is our appreciation for K-pop. But look, you give me a six or seven minutes. I guarantee (laughs) you listen to like a six or seven minute Metallica song. You're going to start begging for a solo at some point just so they'll stop singing the chorus. Thankfully, I don't because I'm not you or your roommate. Well, he's the (laughs) asshole, though. (laughs) <laughs> How, uh, yes Imagine he is he's touring the house the next day and you're just blaring sane anger from the bathroom <laughs> oh man I should do that anyway uh, yeah, Chris, that, uh, I, I, once upon a time I, I told you and Parker that I imagined you just like sitting in your room as the sun came up at like 7 in the morning you've just finished work like wearing an Under Armour hoodie and head banging the Holy Diver <laughs> and I just superimposed the music into that. So, yeah. <laughs> Chris, what if I told you that album is front-loaded with the better songs? What if I told you it only gets worse from that point? Well, you know he's uh, going to have to listen to it now, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> this is basically a challenge. That's the cheesecake I, challenge all over again. <laughs> that album's like 75 minutes. It is excruciating. Oh, they had a lot to get off their chest, Parker. They did. Well, they sure apparently. did. Apparently. Oh, here's the thing. Like you mentioned, the drums, Lars Ulrich, the uh, the guy who plays the drums on there, friend of the uh, show. Yeah, friend of the show. He, I mean, everyone talks about how bad the drums. They definitely sound bad. It sounds. People are calling it garage metal. It's more like kitchen metal because it sounds like he's playing the pots and pans. Uh, that's like the least of my worries because the songs are just so badly composed and badly written. They they just don't sound good. And I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not really a Metallica fan, so maybe I'm biased against them, but, like, this is fucking terrible. And, uh, this again, to put a button on the end of this segment, uh, Parker's like, yeah, but Lulu's so much worse. So, looks what I, I know what I'm doing My this weekend. God. I mean, the drums of St. Anger or the fucking Jar Jar thing is like, oh, if you get rid of Jar Jar, the prequels are better. It's like, no. That's, right, yeah. That's, that's, it doesn't that's not matter. the problem. Can... It's not good, but it's not the problem with it. You could bring back Neil Peart from the dead, put him on the album. It's not going to sound any better. It's just always going to sound better. Because he bad. says, fuck it all and no regrets. I hit the lights on these dark sets like 14 times. Yeah. it's it, And again, that's like it's, the it's, second best song on the album. <laughs> they're just so badly bad. composed. It's so fucking embarrassing. So uh, I would not recommend listening to the album Saint Anger, which I can't even believe is a real thing. Let's get back to uh, my wheelhouse, something I can understand, something where I come from a position of strength, the Joker. I, uh, Hell finished- yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, I took a drink when he said that. Shit. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Well, that's exactly, I, uh, uh, exactly what he knew was going to happen. Yeah. I, I finished off the television <laughs> series Batman Beyond, which is like Batman in the future. And uh, there is a movie attached to this, so I watched the movie. It's called Return of the Joker. And, uh, Where'd he go? I got it. Well, he. Everyone thought that he died. Uh, is the answer. Everyone That's thought that crazy. he died. <laughs> no, if you, you want crazy? We'll get to that later. But uh, I'm sure uh, if he's back. Return of the Joker is uh, so. First of all, Batman Beyond takes place in the future, so there's no way the Joker could have survived that long. He would have died of old age anyway. That's what he was um, Unless he had like the Lazarus pits, which is like a DC thing. So. Uh, right, anyway, apparently, no joke for that. I don't know apparently, that apparently the the Joker comes back, and he's even voiced by Mark Hamill. So you know, hey, it's the same one. You're like, how could that possibly be? And uh, 
it is revealed. I I kind of don't want to wait. Can actually, I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, actually guess. You will never guess. But no, was up in space with Doctor Evil. No, he wasn't in space with Doctor Evil. Uh, that was your go-to go guess. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh. It would make sense, right? If it's the time. No, that. I mean, come on. That's insane. That's crazy. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look. Uh, <laughs> I kind of I kind of don't want to give away the twist of this one uh, because I think this movie is good enough to give it a very hearty recommendation. This is a top five Batman movie somehow, uh, and I have to admit I'd seen this before when I was a little kid, and even now rewatching it, I didn't guess the twist. I was like, "Wait, what are they gonna do? I know that's gonna happen. I know that. Wait, wait, what are they doing?" And then. The explanation is maybe a little bit silly, but it kind of works in the sort of sci-fi context of Batman Beyond. Uh, Mark Hamill does a very, very good job. Um, this is also the darkest Batman movie I've ever seen. It's supremely fucked up. Uh, and that's only because I haven't seen the animated version of The Killing Joke, so Parker, you have that one on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's still, again, 100% worth watching. Uh, you, you don't necessarily need to watch all of Batman Beyond like I did, although I think it helps a little bit. I would recommend watching uh, Batman. It also, I, I will say this, it makes worth watching uh, the new Batman Adventures, which I had previously criticized. Now it's like a must-watch because it really sets up nicely into Return of the Joker. It's written by Paul Dini, the only uh, good comic book writer who has ever lived. Take that, Alan Moore. And, uh... I will say Actually, this about the Joker. I think graphic novels, Chris. So. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this, and this is maybe like a weird thing to do considering all of our Joker bits that we've done, but is the Joker really crazy? Because, like, every single iteration we've seen of the Joker, it's it's not quite crazy. What are you doing? My hands are up. I'm not touching this. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gripping my chair right now, <laughs> trying to be an adult. <laughs> Because, like, uh, we'll leave aside the 60s Batman, because I'll admit I didn't really watch that one. In the 1989 one, Jack Nicholson, he wasn't really crazy. He was just kind of just kind of rude, really. Uh, and in the, the original cartoon, the Mark Hamill one, he's more of a comedian. He actually tells jokes, and that's his theme. He's not really insane. I mean, he does some stuff that's uh, a bit psychopathic, I suppose, but not really crazy isn't really the word for it. And then we see him in, uh, even in uh, Suicide Squad. He's not crazy, he's just a gangster. And uh, and then we see him in The Dark Knight, and he's not really crazy there, he's just an anarchist. So everyone keeps calling the Joker crazy, I'm like, I, I don't know that I buy that. I, I don't know that that's the right qualification. It, apparently, I didn't, I didn't make it far enough into the Harley Quinn series, but apparently he's just abusive yeah. in that, and that's not really crazy. And so finally, in Return of the Joker, uh, he's more, uh, I'd say sadistic, uh, more evil than anything else, uh, cruel, uh, and he'll laugh, but it's like an evil sort of villain sort of thing. I don't know, I'm just, maybe we should get away from, maybe the Joker isn't crazy, maybe it's society that's crazy. Yeah, so what Chris, what you're saying is like, when the whole world's crazy, he's the only sane one. I got it. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> I just yeah. can't believe he said that anarchists aren't crazy. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that I don't think anarchists are crazy. I think they have a stupid political point of view, but like it's not necessarily crazy. Some of them are uh, are sane. They're idiots, but you know. Uh, but enough about Alan Moore. Anyway, the only one where uh, the Joker has, uh, I would call the Joker crazy, would be in the movie Joker, uh, where he's portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix because he has a very severe mental illness. Yeah, I'd, I'd go as far as to say that. I'd, is yeah. that? Uh, it's not a very nice thing to say, but it's accurate, so that one actually fits. 
Uh, but maybe that's the exception that proves rule. Anyway, I'd say watch Return of the Joker. It's actually worth your time. It's uh, supremely well done. Any comments about that? You're making a face, Alex? <laughs> I, I mean, if he's not crazy, then why did he inspire all those people to shoot up movie theaters? I, I really thought you were going to do like a. You didn't do the Christian <laughs> one. <laughs> he has shut the. He's closed the book on this movie conversation. <laughs> on to the next. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Uh, whenever I listen back to myself talk about movies on here, I always think, man, maybe I should go like a little bit extra. I don't really get into the movies enough. And then I thought, or what if I came up with a gimmick instead? So I'm going to do that. Uh, for oh, for all of the movies that I am about to talk about that I watched, I'm going to uh, say the movie that I watched, and when I'm done talking about it, I will name a food item that I ate as a result of the movie. And uh, the first one is I went to the movie theater, and I got to see Lupin Third, The Castle of Cagliostro, on the big screen, which oh, yeah. was a very fun experience. I think uh, it's the Angelica Mosaic in Fairfax, which is doing like a Miyazaki month or something like that. And... Uh, I, this is still very easily my favorite Miyazaki. I think they're doing uh, what's a uh, Kiki's Delivery Service and uh, whatever the other ones are. I don't care. This is the only one I really like. It's got great music, great art, uh, great characters. I, I actually really like watching this with more people in a room because this is where it really brings out just how funny this movie is. Uh, the art isn't anywhere near what it would approach in Miyazaki's later work, and I'm fine with that. I... I think this one has a little bit more charm to it. I, I really like the adventure aspects, and I can see how influential it is, especially now that I rewatched Batman the Animated Series. They took the the battle on the clock tower from this movie, as as did I think uh, the Great Mouse Detective. Uh, you see shots of this that were recreated in like Indiana Jones and stuff like that. I, I think this movie is really really good. I had a great time. I recommend everyone watch the Castle of Cagliostro. Uh, so after this movie, I went next door to Jinya, the ramen bar. I got the spicy umami miso ramen, and I got the takiyoki uh, octopus balls. I love balls. Balls is amazing. So uh, very happy that I got to have that. That was delicious. And uh, the next one is going to be a big, why did you watch this, Chris? And I have a very good reason for that. Uh, Parker, do you remember when I assigned you at my father's behest my dinner with Andre? Sure do. And I remember that the entire episode, you, you're you like, yeah, I got so much laundry done. <laughs> I... you, he put it on, heard Wallachon talking, and just immediately went to the laundry room. It was like, yeah, I can watch this sock. <laughs> just did oh, laundry the, here the whole time. time, huh? All right, cool. Time to fold some work clothes. My dad was just like... Yeah, what did he think? He was so excited. He was—he really wanted to know what you thought about uh, my dinner with Audrey. And you know, all I could report was he was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I, I just did my laundry the entire time." And my dad was uh, apoplectic that you broke the rules, so uh, <laughs> I had to report you. <laughs> your dad I, I, sounds I'm, I'm crazy. On your dad's side. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was like, "Well, I'll tell you what, Dad. Um, just so we have something to talk about when I when I enlist your help moving my stuff out of here." Uh, I will sit down and watch my dinner with Andre. Parker, I know why you did laundry. This movie is so yeah. fucking boring. <laughs> I, I always start with good intentions. <clears throat> no matter what shit I get assigned, I always sit down like, fucking Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties? Alright, it's on the TV, let's go. And if I start folding socks, I start folding socks. I That's, try. It is unimaginably dull. I believe Roger Ebert named it the best movie of 1981 and look where he ended up. 
Got him. So, it's it's so dull, and every single time I see someone give this, like, a positive review, or just like, wow, what enlightening conversations. No, they aren't. They, they're fucking terrible. I think My Dinner with Andre may have the, the single worst line in movie history, uh, which, where Andre says to uh, Wallace Shawn, uh, are you sure you really want to hear all this? He responds with, yeah. Why did you say yeah? Say no. Eat your pheasant. So the the basic plot of the movie, if you can call it a plot, is these two people who no one likes are in a fancy restaurant. They're eating like roast pheasant or some other bullshit di- uh, dish that I would never ever partake in. And I'm like, you know what? I could go out to like a fancy restaurant and be like, oh, they ate that, so I'm going to eat that. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, their conversation was worthless. Bit. It was basically air. So afterwards, I ate nothing. I, I know that it always seems like I'm sort of tapping out, but I was like, no, I, that one doesn't even deserve a dish. Uh, I was so pissed off after that that it was kind of like, Parker, remember when I assigned you uh, the... I, I've said that too many times this episode. Uh, Parker, remember when I assigned you the Star Wars Holiday Special, and as soon as yeah. it was done, you immediately put on the uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, just as like yeah. a palate cleanser? <laughs> well, I was, was like, okay, day. I'll put on something, anything. I just put on a movie at random, and it was 1989's Uncle Buck by John Hughes <laughs> starring John Candy and Macaulay Culkin and uh, I'll say this actually really like that movie I, I thought it was actually pretty good now it's got the same problem that most John Hughes movies have which is a lot of jokes that go nowhere and don't really land uh, a bit of a false sentiment uh, especially towards the end and uh, a lot of I think my biggest problem with a lot of John Hughes movies is there's always like a house that's way too big for the family inside like whenever I think people talk about this one a lot whenever people watch Home Alone look at that giant fucking house how does he afford that house that's impossible what does he do well, you know he's friends with the Cheeto man so uh... <laughs> maybe that's it maybe maybe he's friends with the Cheeto man but anyway their house is way too big way too nice uh, I, I don't know how they afford it but uh, good on them I guess uh there are a lot of jokes in there that are great, but they're almost all told from John Candy because everyone else in there is sort of like, I don't know, maybe this happens with like other actors, but whenever I see a John Candy movie, it always seems like other people are really overacting to try to to match up with John Candy, whereas he's just sort of natural, he's just a naturally funny guy. So everyone else looks like a lunatic in this movie, but John Candy is... I, he's just stackable. He's just really good. I, one of my favorite lines is uh, he's driving this really piece of shit car, and uh, the back of the engine blows out, and uh, some guy comes up to him. Uh, some guy who's a real piece of shit. He's like trying to date his niece, and he's like, "Hey man, ever hear of a tune-up?" And John Candy's like, <laughs> "Ever hear of a ritual killing?" <laughs> Which I quite like. Uh, John Candy is a uh, fantastic. I, I guess the basic plot here is um, there is his family who lives in. Uh, Indiana, I suppose, or Illinois, one of those uh, states that doesn't matter. And uh, the their grandfather has a heart attack, so the parents have to go away for like a week. And the three kids are left there by themselves. Who can watch them? Oh, it's only Uncle Buck, who's uh, fat, uh, he smokes cigars, he's kind of rough around the edges, and uh, cooks really weird, gigantic meals for them. But uh, anyway, by the end, some heart comes in, all the kids and the uncle get along, and uh, it's one of those heartwarming kind of saccharine sort of movies, but uh, after what I had watched previously, I could take it. Also, uh, Macaulay Culkin, very young in this movie, this is like three years before Home Alone, I think, a movie that I did not like. Culkin's actually pretty good in this, I could see why he became a bit of a star, he's like, just a naturally good actor. 
there's a rapid fire scene between him and John Candy uh, like 20 minutes into the movie that I thought was hysterical. So the kid does a good job, and uh, Candy does an even better job. So overall, that, that's a tentative recommendation. You could do a whole lot worse. In the heck, you could do a whole lot worse with John Hughes movies. Uh, after the movie, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a gigantic sandwich. The sort of sandwich that uh, John Hughes, not John Hughes, that John Candy would eat. So I got like the toast, the lettuce, and tomato. I got like a whole slice, like a whole lot of the gourmets and like roast turkey and everything. And got like three slices of cheese in there. So very happy with that sandwich. Have you guys ever seen Uncle Buck? No, I want to hear more about the sandwich. No, the sandwich was so fucking good. uh, We are now a food podcast. Yeah. (laughs) It's working for me. Yeah. Uh, After that, I... I can skip that one. That's not interesting. After that, I watched... uh, Parker, you mentioned the documentary, uh, 2021's Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. Dude, Dude, Alex, Alex, did you watch this? I literally got home at like midnight last night and slept till four today. Like, oh, no, I haven't watched oh, okay. anything. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's quite good. Uh, I well, you know what? It's okay. Uh, it's interesting. It's certainly an interesting subject. I think this the interest of the subject is a whole lot more important than how well the documentary is done. I think the documentary actually has some pretty serious problems. I think that a lot of people that they interviewed about this subject try to draw conclusions that's not really backed up with what with what the documentary shows or if it does it takes too long to get to that point a good example uh the limp biscuit scene so limp biscuit led by fred durst is like the band in 1999 apparently and they go on stage and uh they go on stage and everyone is really hot they're dehydrated and they're very aggressive the word aggressive is used over and over again in this documentary and they play their hit song uh our good friend evan's favorite song break stuff and uh everyone uh is they're like so they're interviewing people as he's like everyone let out that anger or break stuff and everyone's like they just show people kind of jumping around for like five minutes. People are just like jumping around. Then by the end, they're like, oh, actually, they were tearing off plywood from like the scaffolding of this one thing. And uh, Fred Durst is like, not my fault. And he just leaves. And I'm like, okay, you should say, like, give me details about them tearing stuff apart. That's that's how you make your point. That's like, this is what the aggression led to, something that was dangerous. If you just say they got aggressive, it just shows people jumping up and down and having a good time. I'm like, well, I'm kind of on their side now. You know, it's yeah. okay to have them. <laughs> it drove me insane because they just gloss over like, yeah, so by the way, you know, they did it on a fucking Air Force tarmac. Water was $4 a bottle and there weren't enough porta potties. But Fredter saw them getting so hyped up and didn't tell them to calm down. <laughs> this violent culture of misogyny in the 90s. And I just cannot do the jack off motion hard enough. Yeah, so here's the thing, uh, Parker, we agreed about this one. They really needed to emphasize that the water was $4. $4 in 2021 is too much for water. Back in 1999, that's absurd. People literally were not prepared to pay $4 for water. So it cut to John Schur, who's one of the promoters of Woodstock 99. He's like, there was free water, there's so much free water, there's water all over the place. And he cut to one of the free water fountains, and there are literally people bathing in there. You know, like, There was not nearly enough pushback on the guys who ran it. Like, yeah. I knew there was going to be a problem when one of the guys was like, yeah, I've had people stop me and tell me that Woodstock 94 is one of the best experiences of their life. I've never heard of Woodstock 94 in my fucking life. <laughs> I had no here- idea that ever happened. <laughs> uh, let me tell you the only way that I know about Woodstock 94. The only reason I know about it is because I watched a Primus concert when they were there where they played <laughs> My Name is Mud and everyone was throwing mud at them during the song. I got bingo. 
Yeah. See, hey. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Mean, it's just. It seemed like a lot of it was just punching down on the new metal bands that were there. Like, yeah, Kid Rock is an easy target, but then also at the end, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing f- fucking fire while everyone's lighting shit on fire, and they're like, "Yeah, that was crazy." Well, anyways, it's like, well, yeah, because you don't want to punch down on the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but we can spend ten minutes talking about. Oh my God, this crowd of white people was so eager to yell the N word. When DMX told them to, <laughs> like, Let's, what exactly? Is this? Can we get? Can we who please get into dudes? this? They they got a New York Times writer who's just like, and so DMX comes on stage and there's all these white people, and it, I have to admit there's a whole lot of people there, and he plays a song. My, well, I can't really. My uh, one millionth patriot. Hey, uh, Chris's follower. dad. What's the song <laughs> called? <laughs> no, Chris, it's cool. Just edit it out later. We won't tell them. Okay, uh, it's called uh, <laughs> "My One Million Patriots Follower," and he's and he's saying da 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 da, and he points the microphone at the crowd and asks them to say the word, and they oblige. Look, if a guy asks you to say it, I, th- I think it's okay. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Just like not say anything? You'll you'll make him sad. So also, uh, <laughs> you watch that set on YouTube. It's fucking incredible. Like yeah, I, I put it on at work. I was just running through walls. It's so good. They're like. These racist, angry white people. It's like, why are we trying to compare everything to fucking now? It's a totally yeah. different time. I mean, yeah, that, there's that too. But also, like, can we also talk about the connotation? Because, like, the guy uses the word chilling to describe it. Really? That You, you call that chilling? <laughs> a, I, a jam-packed crowd singing along to the chorus of this popular song while the artist is holding the microphone to the crowd to sing it. Chilling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely if, if, chilling. If no one had said anything, DMX would have been very sad, and someone would have had to cheer him up. He so, knew th- right then that. and there that violence was going to happen because they sang <laughs> along to the song that he chose. This he has eyes. It's the middle of the day. It's a sea of white people. He could have not sang the song. Like so, we all knew what was happening here. So that's one thing that they don't do very much of throughout the rest of the day. It's like these straight white men enjoying music unsupervised. And I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. But like, uh, they keep blaming the band. I'm sorry to cut you off, but they keep blaming the bands. Like, motherfucker, you hired Limp Biscuit to play. Like, what did you think was? What do you think yeah. they play? Why did yeah, you was... also hire Moby, you fucking idiot? That's on you. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll get to we'll get to Moby later. Who the, should not have been days interviewed? It was like, God, hang on, let me. One of the days, it was just like top to bottom, just all aggressive bands. They're like, wow, this crowd, by the way, we just have all night raves. We're this crowd that doesn't have water or sleep is getting really aggressive while Rage Against the Machine is playing. Yeah, you fucking think, man? And then they're trying to go into like, yeah. what's going yeah, that on was in the a, culture that was a to one make these where... kids so violent? God. Sorry. It's getting <laughs> that was well that was the one where it starts with like I think that was day three or whatever of Woodstock, or maybe it was day two, I don't know. And it starts with Cheryl Crow, then uh eases on into Limp Biscuit, <laughs> Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. <laughs> so you know. And there was like God. everyone who wants to be there for those three bands doesn't want to be there for Cheryl Crow and her acoustic guitar. <laughs> and they're fucking like a side of like there were only three female acts on the card. Yeah, who were you gonna hire? <laughs> it's fucking Lip Biscuit and Kid Rock and Metallica and Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> oh my god! So I, yeah, I like some person that. called them out. It's like yeah, I think it was intentional because there's one woman performer per day. I'm like yeah, yeah, I think that was intentional because you know yeah. Anyway, uh, something that that got to me that. 
they made their point later on, but it took too long to get to that point, was about the nudity. And uh, there's a bit of hypocrisy in this fucking documentary. One of the things that they talk about is, uh, they're like, oh, all the TV cameras kept showing all the women who were taking their tops off. They were showing their bare breasts just, like, glittering with sweat in the sun. Like, ugh, how disgusting and immoral. First of all, it's like 100 degrees outside. I I have no problem with the women trying to stay cool out there because it was really, really hot. It's a three-day concert on a tarmac. I bet they're fucking hot, dude. Now, second of all, uh, whoever directed this documentary seemed to find all of that footage and seemed to include as much of it as he could. So don't tell me what's immoral here, all right? He's doing the exact same thing, playing, like, sad music in the background. I know, like, three things about the original Woodstock, and one of them is gross old hippies banging in mud, like... The nerve to be all prudish, like, oh, it's just these women having their tops ripped off. Like, no, they seem pretty psyched to be flashing Fred Durst, and I would be too. Now, now that being said, they do make a good point later on that there was uh, sexual harassment and uh, molestation there. Uh, which, again, I'm not surprised. Uh, that's I'm not excusing it. Just because it's not surprising doesn't mean that that's an excuse. Uh, it's also not necessarily an explanation. But... They should have made that point a lot earlier on because the way it starts for like the first hour of the documentary is just like, oh yeah, that, can you believe that woman flashed him? Let's show it again in slow motion and not blur it out. Like, okay. I, I have to admit, that one guy's diary, the guy who died, that one guy's diary is like, I think I've seen my 14th pair of tits. Kind of getting old now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, Fred Durst should have calmed the crowd down. Yeah, well, like, just <laughs> absolutely no pushback to the organizers. By the follow-up question, <laughs> How many press conferences do these organizers hold? We see like oh, five yeah. different ones of them fielding questions. Yeah, it's everyone's like, fucking I mean, chewing them out. You're the ones that booked Alanis Morissette on the same concert as DMX. Like, you have yeah. to take some responsibility, man. That's on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing is uh, that John Sherrod, S C H E R, the awful promoter of this uh, whole event, was saying like, you know, a lot of people portrayed this the wrong way. It's like, okay, so the East Stage burned down, and maybe the water was a little bit expensive, and a couple people got raped there, but most people had a good time, dude. Look at A, who was having a good time, and B, what kind of good time that they were having. You should be apologizing for this still today. <laughs> and I got about as enraged as my dad did when uh, he saw Colin Kaepernick Neal, when he went after, <laughs> when, when this promoter guy went after Kurt Loader. Dude, lay off Kurt. Kurt's one of the best journalists that this country's ever turned out, one of the best writers that this country's ever turned out. And you know what he was mad at Kurt Loader for? Telling the truth. Saying that, like, oh, yeah, the East Stage is burning down. <laughs> like, dude, Kurt's right. Just how, how about you give Kurt some credit for trying to save people's lives? Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, I didn't like most of the music that was performed. Uh, I did I did see a lot more penises than I was ready for. I did not know that yeah, like Flea that. performed with uh, his dick and balls hanging out. That's um, like his thing, dude. I, I didn't know. I, I You learn something new every day. Um, except I feel like an important part of growing up, the age we are, is just accepting new metal. Because, like, I'm watching that crowd. I have never seen a crowd more excited than that crowd was to see Corn, And I'm happy for them. I'm so happy for them. Those people were ready to die <laughs> to hear Freak on a Leash. They really like, were. You know what? Yeah. You know what? This music sucks, but also, when I'm driving... If Spotify decides I need to listen to break stuff, it is going full volume, and I'm screaming yeah. it down the highway. People need to so there quit was, punching down. So there's another one. Uh, 
they were talking about, oh, you see, all that straight white male aggression would manifest itself in unforeseen ways. I'm like, are they going to show a mosh pit? And instead, <laughs> what they show is, uh, this is this is a part where, Alex, if you had been watching this, you would have laughed hysterically. You would have rewound and recorded it and sent it to me. You would have been like, dude, are you going to marry her? This one girl is asleep in her tent and she's woken up by uh, someone chanting, tear down the wall. And she's like, oh, sweet, is Pink Floyd here? That's what I came for. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it turns exactly out. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have done, dude. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. Turn, it turns out it was no, it's just a bunch of people tearing down this this uh, mu- this wall that had a mural that a lot of people painted. And I have to admit that the document makes clear that a lot of people work very hard on this sort of thing. They're like, there's no reason for them to tear down this wall. I'm like, there's also no reason for them not to. You know, that's I mean, it's just a wall. It's not like a really big deal or anything. I mean, if the Who Jolly Element parks his truck there, you gotta flip it. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and they're just, I have to admit, like, the people there were stupid, yeah, but I wouldn't have gone. That doesn't seem like a very good time. I got air conditioning here. Also water. You know? No, that, it that sounds like that. a nightmare. One for we, two, yeah. baby. Yeah, also, oh, sorry. Also, <laughs> uh, I gotta talk about this. So, one of the reasons that we see people, it looked like there was mud at the, um, at the uh, concert <laughs> or the festival. Now, one of the reasons people talk about Woodstock 94 is because there was an obscene amount of mud. That's what I was getting to. It was like, they remember it was like the mud festival. Uh, at this concert, they thought it was mud. Turns out the porta bodies were broken within like two hours. So that was a mixture of mud, shit, and piss. People couldn't find a place to sleep on the ground unless they found like pizza boxes and would sleep on pizza boxes. Everywhere else was just coated in piss. Uh, no one was cleaning up after themselves. Uh, it did not look like a very pleasant place to. It, it was. It makes me think about that time that like Hank Hill got stuck in Florida <laughs> or whatever with like a what was it, Lollapalooza. <laughs> Like, imagine uh, watching footage of people covered in shit sleeping on pizza boxes and be like, I knew as soon as those white people sang along to DMX that this is all good. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah, the fucking but- security guard is like, I worked Hurricane Katrina relief. This is the worst disaster I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely go fuck yourself. <laughs> Man, I... Look, I, I'm not saying that I would have got it. Again, I would not have gotten it. Doesn't look like a tremendous amount of fun. Absolutely but ultimately, not. Woodstock '99 has the same problem that Woodstock '69 had. It's all plastic. It's all manufactured. No one's going there for the music. People are going there for the same reason that people are going to Coachella today. Which I'll get into Coachella in a second. Oh my god! They, Thank you. I, again, I'll get into. I'll get into it. I'll get into it. People are going there. So they can tell stories later on. Nowadays, you can do it very easy. You just take, like, a, a, a selfie, and you post it on Instagram. You'd be like, I was at Coachella 21. You'd be like, yeah, good for you. Uh, people couldn't do that in Woodstock, and they couldn't do, but they were still preserved on film for the hit documentary that was, like, four hours long. And uh, people went there, Woodstock 99, just so they could tell people, yo, dude, spring break, I went to, or I guess it was summer break, I went to Woodstock 99, man. I saw Metallica, I saw Lip Biscuit, I got got a it was epic you know and that was like i did so many drugs look I, even back in 69 flower power was thought up by a grim executive in a gray little office some guy wearing a tie came up with that all the people who were doing lsd back then were making the cia very very happy because they're the ones who invented that fucking drug and all the people at this concert were just making a whole lot of record companies a whole lot more money that's why they're charging four dollars a bottle of water uh it's it's all about profit and most of the uh the festival goers knew that and coachella is not tremendously different although they certainly want you to think otherwise based on the end of this movie how much parker did coachella pay for that oh my god 
the jerk off motion like yeah you know Woodstock might ever come back but don't worry we have Coachella now just projectile vomiting across the room it was so embarrassing I I, honestly I feel like it was executive produced by I believe uh, Bill Simmons yeah uh, who Mm. some sports guy I've never heard of him he uh, he must have some sort of stake in Coachella because like at the end it's just like we don't have these kinds of problems at Coachella this is for the upper crust all water bottles are affordably priced and uh, we have it where we have it when it's not hot <laughs> and uh, what else did they say something at the end is like Coachella regularly brings in millions of dollars to Indio California Woodstock 99 only brought in $200,000 in profit yeah I'm like sick wow. that's my favorite God. part of a concert is profits I, for the city look I do, I do not think that Woodstock 99 was a good idea I think everyone who went there and acted the way they did is an asshole but I, did the fact that that thing made money at the end it was like wait seriously that thing turned a profit how <laughs> that looked like a nightmare the cleanup alone must have cost uh, millions of dollars but they turned a profit I was I was actually a little surprised the capitalist in me was like my heart grew three sizes that day so I, just, uh, I don't get events <laughs> like that like I love concerts I love live music but every year my parents are like you should come down here for Austin City Limits. Look at all the bands. I'm like, I you could not pay me to stand out there for eight hours to hear three bands I like. I don't yeah. get it. I do not get people. It's fine. Everyone has their own thing. I'm a fucking weirdo shut-in. I don't understand them, though. Yeah, I I don't think I'm much of a live music guy myself. I The proximity with other people, and there's gonna they're going to play songs that I don't like. There's going to be bands I don't know. All my favorite bands are dead. I don't think I would have there had a good is. time. Would stop that. Yeah, buried the lead on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna. I was gonna say it's like the one thing that Woodstock '69, Woodstock '99 have in common is the music was no good. So uh, moving on to the next. <laughs> also, one of the buried leads, like they just keep talking about, you know, the deck. It's like I get to finally see Metallica. It's like it's 1999 Metallica. Like it's after yeah. they got their haircut and they're playing fucking Fuel and the memory remains. No one cares. No one gives a shit about 1999 Metallica. Go play I Disappear oh. Again, dickhead. Oh, yeah. Parker, what was with the whole, like, get, relitigating Napster in the middle of this documentary? Dude, I... <laughs> Who gives a shit? <laughs> this did not need to be on. Much like Double Impact, cut about 45 minutes out of it. <laughs> Weird. At hour the, uh, 50 is, the, man. The documentary produced by the guy that works for Spotify wanted to relitigate the Napster thing. Really makes you think. <laughs> no, wait, but I think this thing took, like, uh, a pro-Napster stance... Uh, I think that's what they were trying to get across because yeah. they're like, yeah, because Dave Mustaine's yeah, in this. By the way, Spotify Dave, is still fighting with artists. <laughs> Dave Dave Mustaine was like sitting over here looking like uh, fucking Ronnie James Dio right before his death, and he's over there. He's like, what? Ah, he's dead? I don't. Ronnie James Dio died. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, anyway, Dave Mustaine has not died because he's in this. He's like, ah. he he kind of okay. Tell you what, Alex, for reference, he looks like uh, Rod Stewart does in South Park. <laughs> like, okay. Oh. All right. All right. Thinking, you know, Napster. I was like, do I really gotta say? You guys want me to say? We're like, I have no idea what he's trying to say. Uh, basically, what it seems to be here is that uh, Lars Ulrich wanted people to pay for his product, and people did not want to pay for his product, and so there was a fight. I don't know. I never used Napster. Uh, I also didn't really listen to Metallica, so it wasn't really also, something like, I needed You're the to biggest do. band on the planet, and like you have one good song on that album, dickhead. I think, hey, pay $18 yeah, I, to hear one good song. Like, no, you're, you're fine. 
see, that's the thing is I feel like the documentary is criticizing Lars Ulrich in order to criticize Metallica and be like, they made people pound their heads. They were they were getting aggressive and rowdy. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> not that. <Damn>. Weird. <laughs> I hate when I go to metal concerts and people start moshing and I'm like, excuse me. I'm trying to listen to Motley Crue over here. <laughs> I don't I want to. He's madly in anger also, with Also, why hold a watch <laughs> Yes. I'm madly in anger. Sir, excuse me. I dropped my Modelo. Uh, this whole here's, operation, here's a... top to bottom, is a disaster. And, like, they briefly go over, like, yeah, these were some mistakes they made. And then they just spend an hour 20 complaining about the bands being too aggressive. Yeah, it was like, well, their music was... Oh, also, yeah, they, they contrast how aggressive the music was. Like, we used to have grunge. Grunge was very mellow oh and progressive. God, right. This is one of the most embarrassing things. I actually consider this a little insulting. They're like, grunge used to be progressive. And they show a picture of Kurt Cobain wearing guy liner and I guess Eddie Vedder wearing guy liner. And I guess that's how they show that a band is progressive. Because they show Kurt Cobain wearing a dress. That's that's how we define progressive. Now they're just loud and misogynistic. Okay. I mean, you want to? Guys I mean, watching this. Yeah, are you? I mean, you're talking. <laughs> no way in hell now, dude. You're talking about brutal. You're talking about like uh, Parker. Would you agree that I mean, it's like, worth it for all the live footage, honestly? Yeah, Parker. Would you agree that like Rage Against the Machine was a fairly progressive band? Did they perform uh, at Woodstock '99? I don't know. I hear about Republican rallies a lot. They seem pretty right. That's <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Ryan seems to be into them. But like, that's like one like, of those left wing bands sorry. you could have. They're at the concert. They're listed as one of the aggressive bands. They're like killing in the name of who's killing and in, in the name of what? People don't know these angry white boys they don't know why they're bad besides the fact that it's a hundred degrees out and they have no water oh my God. you know this is the era of girls gone wild and you're just sitting there watching like you want someone to shake him and go you're paying them dickhead these fans <laughs> didn't just show up with their gear like hey cool when do you go on? when do we go on like you scheduled and paid a lot of money for these bands to come in they're like wow uh they actually want them to break stuff this guy's intense. <laughs> this guy's unhinged up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The girls got wild thing was weird because like they they had like two women on there. It's like girls were watching that and they were thinking to themselves, "Yeah, that's how I'm supposed to be." Like, look, I don't think most girls. Look, I can't speak for all women, but I think most girls watch it and they go, Ugh, "Men." Well, like, yeah, that's what I think when I do it too. It's like an also girls got wild was really involved here. Watching Comedy Central at three in the morning after the Insomniac yeah. with David Tell reruns ended, we're like, "Wow, this is who I need to be." Like, what do you? There's so much reaching and grasping at straws. Oh, oh yeah. One of my favorite one here. One of my favorite ones is uh, I don't remember who the host of MTV was at this time. It wasn't Loader. Loader was like the Walter Cronkite of MTV, which is maybe the meanest thing I've ever said about him. But uh, <laughs> some guy was just like they were saying, "Yeah." The, the, the 1999 uh, music crowd, they were so aggressive, and they illustrate their aggressiveness by saying that they didn't want to hear the Backstreet Boys on MTV. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so did... But also, like, I don't think it was a giant culture war. It was just, they were at Woodstock, they saw the MTV vans and just threw beer bottles at them. Exactly. <laughs> it was... It's not a fucking dividing line in the sand of the culture going to hell before 9-11 happens, man. They're exactly. just tired of you bumping their favorite artist to play in sync. It happens. Yeah, like, you, look, it was, kind it was of, hell on earth. It's made That's, up your whole fucking back off of, like, the rock and early metal stuff. Yeah. And then you look, turn your I, back on them, like, people get butthurt, man. Yeah, uh, look, I'm not going to defend the concert. I'm not going to defend the concert goers. 
but I'm gonna I'm going to attack aggressively. All the people they interview, especially Moby. Get back to Moby. That little Dude, fucking asshole. There's so a- much Moby. This fucking jerk off. Yeah, what, and we're supposed to pretend like he wasn't just in the news for like pretending to date Natalie Portman and nothing oh, else. That, Him that's just giving so. his fucking holier than thou on a pedestal of like, we have to get out of here. These guys are crazy. Like, shut. You were Man. playing the overnight fucking rave sets at three in the morning. You know, yeah, I gotta say, fucked. it sounds like watching this documentary made you guys really aggressive. Maybe they were <laughs> Oh, all because we're attacking you know, the ball. a little guy. crazy. <laughs> you no, know, no, that's Parker, th- actually, that's normal. It's not crazy. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, sorry. It's, it's normal. It is, like, it's very frustrating, but it's worth it just for all the live footage. It's really it is, cool. yeah. Oh, I'm, absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna uh, watch it. But, also, I, I'll yeah. say this, it's... It's an interesting subject, and one of the reasons that I watched it is I had such a good time with Class Action Park. But, boy, you can really see the contrast. Class Action Park is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Not only is that an interesting subject, but every single person, when they talk about something, you're like, oh my god, is that story real? Whereas with this, they, they say, oh yeah, this happened. I'm like, yeah, probably. And uh, also, if they try to make a point in Class Action Park, they do it like that. And they're just like, yeah, this is probably really dangerous. And then they show the bird ward. Whereas they're like, yeah, in this one, people got aggressive. And it's just people going like this. And like, this isn't really that aggressive. I can't believe they're moshing to Rage Against the Machine. Now, I will say that there were some very poor decisions. They brought on some guy from uh, The Doors. It was like, this is some guy from The Doors. And like, no one in the crowd was like sharing. Hey, hey, hey Chris, who was he playing with? Do you remember who he was playing with? Uh, Counting Crows? I have no idea. Creed. Creed brought on this fucking skeleton man from the doors to play as if anyone could give a shit. Oh, one of one of the saddest things. (laughs) Thank you. Catch coming, buddy. Joke for literally only you. Okay, there is there's uh there's one part that I thought was particularly sad. Uh, they had uh, I believe it was Wyclef Jean was playing a. a guitar, and he was playing the Star Spangled Banner. This harkens back to when Jimi Hendrix played the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock 69. And he's playing it very, very poorly, and then he tries to do the Jimi Hendrix light your guitar on fire thing. And, Parker, I swear, he had someone come help him out with the poor lighter yes. fluid. He yes. couldn't start the fucking lighter. He couldn't even light his guitar on fire. And then they just got bored and stopped it. He just tried breaking. He couldn't even break it. He, he needed Fred Durst <laughs> to tell him how to do it. Exactly. Also, every time a talking head was like, wow, these kids out there don't even understand like all the subtle nods to the original Woodstock. Who could give a fuck? <laughs> They're here to see Kid Rock and DMX. No one gives a fuck about the doors, old man. Dude, there was one where, I think it may have been The Offspring, where they were just like, yeah, he did that F-U-C-K chant, that canned heat did at Woodstock, and no one recognized the classic canned heat reference. Literally, I have no, no not canned heat. Is. Yeah, maybe not canned heat. Whatever like even fucking... you were like, canned heat? What is yeah. this? <laughs> Dad? I was like, "What the fuck is what's what is this?" I, I maybe I got the band wrong. I don't even know. But uh, also, uh, th- thank you for mentioning. Uh, real offspring. quick, offspring. Then <laughs> jump cut to offspring. Now, how did that how did that treat you, <laughs> dude? Here's the thing. So first of all, they show the offspring, and I'm just like, you know, the basics looks kind of old. I don't know. He looks like someone. Oh god. Like <laughs> I hate using this this term, but. They both look like Karens. <laughs> they both, <laughs> both rough, they, they they both have the "May I Speak to the Manager" haircut. <laughs> and that's a, that's another band where, like, with the Offspring comes on my Spotify, I'm getting hyped. But 
The Offspring in 1999? Not like, anymore. Who gives a <laughs> That's shit? That's a good point, yeah. Who cared? <laughs> like, uh, oh, another thing. It's like they talk about, oh, the bands are so aggressive. The Offspring comes out, and before they even play a song, the first thing they say is like, hey, I see a bunch of girls like uh, crowd surfing over there, and that's pretty cool. But if you're reaching up to grope them, don't do that. And girls, if you feel some guy grope them, grab them by the balls. I'm like, wow, how aggressive. Mm-hmm. My God, like, they're going to play those... Pretty Fly for a white guy. They're going to burn this whole place down. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I, I hope we didn't give too much away from there. I, I, honestly, Alex, you know, you might come to a different conclusion. You might say, you know what, you guys have it all wrong or whatever. But uh, I will say it's worth watching. But again, this one's an hour 50. So, I don't know. I just think that Class Action Park's better. And uh, now for our next 45 minutes, Parker, <laughs> let's talk about the Suicide Squad. Oh, fuck, you didn't tell me you watched it last uh, I know! It was a little surprise! Let's fucking go! <laughs> Alex just leaves to go get another glass yeah, of water. I'm actually uh, gonna get busy as you're thinking. <laughs> That's totally fair. Sorry, man. Okay, so this movie begins in the third act, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's just, like, unmistakably the third act, and uh, it's got all the characters that you recognize from the trailer, and good news, most of them get killed off in the first five minutes. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Oh, yes. Oh, by the way, uh, a lot of spoilers, guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's you know who you minutes. are. If you it's wanted first... to watch the Suicide Squad, you were going to yeah. watch it. It's, like, it's again, it's, it's, like it's on HBO minutes. Max. It, this if is you like, cared, you'll watch it. This is like that that spoiler for Psycho. It's like, oh, the the lead actress Janet Leigh, like she gets murdered like five minutes in. I'm like, yeah, just but came like out everyone knows days ago, that. man. <laughs> oh, I don't care. Yeah, Pete Davidson like, is butthole eyes die. I have a lot of issues with the Suicide Squad, the original one. I can't call it the Suicide Squad. No, you can't. Ah, just a like, Suicide Squad. The whole fucking point of them is like, they're all expendable people. And then you get to that movie, it's like, we killed the one guy who was on screen for 30 seconds. Yeah. So I was very happy when the movie starts, and like 12 people die horribly, including my good friend Captain Boomerang. Friend oh, of the yeah. show and regular. Very happy that guy's gone. Pete Davidson dies. Uh, who else died? Some other Javelin is just a name of a supervillain now, I guess. Look, and uh, we- Weasel. When they revealed that TDK's name stood for the detachable kid and his arms came off like an action figure. <laughs> swatted at the back. Of- that was a good bit. I got in with the movie pretty early, I'll be it's, honest with He's you. got powerful Rayman energy. Uh, it's a good thing that Alex is in the bathroom now, so I could say that Rayman is like uh, European Mega Man. So anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we we uh, get the opening uh, bit, and it's like, oh, that was just the B squad. There's also the A Sean squad, and they've got uh, more of the marketable <laughs> stars. Um, <laughs> feeling good about that one. <laughs> Uh, oh man, I appreciate it, it. You know, one of the things that I really like about this, uh, contrasting it with the original Suicide Squad, is it really wastes no time. The original Suicide Squad took so long being like, this is Bell Reef Prison, these are who all these characters are. They, they give them like all these like long backstories, instead of letting the characters develop over time. You know, you're supposed to weave exposition into the narrative. Not to say, he was arrested for setting his family's house on fire, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, 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 let that go out through the movie. Now we learn more about this character. That's one of the things that James Gunn, the beautifully twisted mind of James Gunn, does so much better (laughs) than David Ayer and the executives uh, at that time. So uh, a good example here would be... um, What was that? The the shark thing. The big shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Ended up being, I I think, one of the audience favorites. I love him with all of my heart. Every time the big giant shark man looks sad, I felt for him. Which is more yeah. than I felt at any point in the original Suicide Squad movie. 
Exactly. It's certainly better than, remember Killer Croc and that fucking thing? How could I forget? Yeah, exactly. Uh, here, Here's one thing that the... Sorry, hold on. Phrase this I have right. a question. One I of the... Int- Go ahead. Chris, would you eat after the Woodstock movie? Oh, thank you. God, good I question. forgot to mention <laughs> Very edit good that in. I did, I did eat something. It's like, you know what? I will eat the... Uh, the food of the year of 1999 and the most corporate food of that year of 1999. I went to Taco Bell, got a Crumb Strap Supreme and a Soft Taco. Hell yeah. My man. Oh, hell yeah, dude. yeah. So that's they, it just matched up perfectly. So uh, thank you for reminding me. For Suicide Squad, did you think I was going to say I went into the bathroom and I ate shit? <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, for the Suicide Squad, uh, one of the things that they do is they actually recast some of uh, the actors. Some of them uh, actually reprise their roles. Joel Kinnaman uh, comes back as Rick Flagg, and he still looks like Daniel Tosh. Um, Viola Davis <laughs> plays Amanda Waller. Um, she's uh, she's in this as well. Um, I don't know why they keep casting her. She is completely humorless. I don't know if she's ever told or heard a joke in her life, and this is primarily a comedy. But okay, uh, you need a straight man, don't you? And uh, they also, I think they, uh, oh yeah, they bring back Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. And now's a good time to say it. Look. Margot Robbie is so much better as Harley Quinn in this than she is in the original Suicide Squad. She's actually a lot of fun in this movie. She's she's funny. She she tells jokes and she says it does very funny things. I is she crazy? I don't know. It's like definition. What? Check out like this. I we're all crazy, Chris. But yeah, and she's sane in a crazy world. But you know who doesn't appear in this movie? The Joker. So that's good. Uh, I, I don't know. I really like Margot Robbie in this. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, Margot Robbie. Uh, shine on, you normal diamond. Uh, there are other... <laughs> <laughs> there are other... I can't believe I said that. Uh, there are a bunch of other ones. There's some guy, he's just called Polka Dot Man. Uh, he ended up being one of my favorite characters. Uh, he, he really cracked me up. I wish he got more screen time because he was really, really funny to me. Um, there was a... Uh, Idris Elba as someone called uh, what, what's he called like Death Game Bloodshot. Something? I dude, I cannot keep that straight. Whatever he was, he he was okay. He uh, didn't really uh, light it up. But uh, I, I'll tell you who I thought was probably the funniest character in the movie was actually John Cena. Uh, he is incredibly good. <laughs> I could not believe just how hysterical he was in this. And look, I criticized John Cena for his uh, his China thing where he kowtowed to uh, Beijing. But honestly, dude, you tell jokes like this, you can you can say and do whatever you want. Okay, he was hysterical. He was he was very clearly the best part of the movie. Uh, enormous too, by the way. I, uh, he is a, a bit of body dysmorphia. Else. Here. My God. <laughs> he he. You know, apparently James Gunn wanted to get. Um, uh, Batista to play that character, but he was busy. With Army of the Dead. Ooh, swinging a miss, buddy. Yeah. I think he would have played it a little bit too much like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy anyway, so I, I think I'm, I'm happier having uh, this guy, uh, who I, I will say, he's kind of like, he says, yeah, he's kind of like a more deranged Captain America. I'm like, no, 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 he's kind of like a more accurate Captain America. <laughs> the fucking scene where him and Idris Elba are trying to outdo each other by getting sick kills. Dude, it's so good. That, that they just murdered the entire <laughs> resistance force. Like, they're pulling up all these trick shots on like these innocent people doing their laundry outside. <laughs> that was so funny, it's dude. Incredibly that was good hysterical. Bit. Uh, there's so many great bits. Now, I want to talk about the main villain, uh, or the, really the main monster. Uh, Parker, 
I don't know if this is from a comic book, but I do know where it it's sure also from. Is. It's also from an episode, two episodes of Batman Beyond. I'm so glad I watched it because I was like, wait, that's from, it took over Superman's body. And they're going, oh, wow, they're actually going to do that. So uh, that was actually, it, it felt gratifying to sort of see that on screen. Now I know how comic book nerds feel when they're like, oh, this was in X-Men 367. So uh, yeah, that was, that was actually pretty now. interesting. Yeah. Uh, so now, I didn't know you watched this, so I watched yeah. the half in the bag on it earlier because I oh. try not to watch those if we're going to talk about the movie. What did, what did but it But a point was, that they, they actually really liked it, but a point they made that I like is, if I ask you right now, hey, who's the bad guy in the original Suicide Squad? You're just going to fucking stare at me. No, In I, ten uh, years, I could go, hey, man, you remember the giant starfish? You'd be like, oh, fuck, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, no, unfortunately, it's a memorable I remember, villain. I, unfortunately, I remember the sorceress. I think you mean Enchantress. Point proven. High five. <laughs> Thank you. All <laughs> right, you win. You we win. did it, boys. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I also remember that she was played by Cara Delevingne, and I remember that as a result of her portrayal in that movie, I assigned you uh, Valerian, yeah. City of a Thousand Planets. So yeah, don't worry. I remember it too, dickhead. Some memories stick to your ribs. Man, I didn't realize uh, that was a different movie than Ender's Game. We, we don't uh, have to do those. Which we've all seen. We, we've as uh, friends. Yeah, so we've seen it together, talked about it. We missed that episode. I did not play Harrison it. Ford so, was great in it. He was yeah, definitely he awake was the whole time. The Orson Scott card. So anyway, yeah. That's that's one of the things is uh if it's kind of weird to to say that the Suicide Squad is a good movie because I can't help but compare it to the original. The original is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. So I'm like, is it just good as a result of that comparison or is it good on its own? And I think it's basically good on its own. I don't think it's quite as good as Guardians of the Galaxy because it doesn't quite have the same heart. Like, it doesn't even have the, the, the same heart that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has. And but also, it's also the funny. needle drops. Wretched oh. needle drops. Well, here's the thing. The, I think the needle drops in this movie are certainly preferable to the ones in like Cruella. You know, well, certainly, I admit, comparatively to and, his other work, and compared Jesus to Christ. and compared to Suicide Squad. Okay, remember how bad the needle drops were in Suicide Squad? They were so much worse than the ones in this one. And here, at least, there's like diegetic music. You know, it's like fine, okay, whatever. I can, I can deal with that. Uh, it's it. Look, it could be a lot worse. Okay, it could have been a lot worse. This is very middling as far as needle drops go for me. The good stuff is in Guardians of the Galaxy, and the really bad stuff is in Cruella. Can't believe they played most other movies. <laughs> also, also like, most I, other movies besides Tarantino. I was mostly positive on this movie, but I want to throw a, stri- a slight asterisk in there because I mm-hmm. went to get Mexican food before I put it on, and they had a twenty dollars take home mimosa kit. So I was vibing pretty hard before I even hit play. <laughs> so that definitely enhanced my experience. Your mileage may vary at home, but uh, I was yeah. getting pretty day drunk and having a good time because uh, I think i knew it was an r i didn't realize it was going to be a pretty hard r with a lot of brutal murders in the first five minutes oh yeah this one's really gory this is gorier than the saw movies but like you know it's not in like a torture way so it's still fine uh i'd say it's a little predictable uh that can be a problem if the joke is predictable like uh i i saw i kind of knew how one character was going to die just because i have seen a movie before and that's not a good thing for comedy but uh if I'm still going to laugh at it, if I still think that whatever they're going to do is going to be funny, then that's basically okay with me. Uh, now that more I think about it, I think that Idris Elba's character was the worst part of the movie. Like, he's got that big-ass fuck-you penis extension gun, right? And he's shooting at the giant starfish with an eye in the middle. He keeps missing the eye. How do you... He's a, that's supposed to be the world's greatest marksman. 
It's like, yeah, for every, like, dingy against the movie, in the first ten minutes, Pete Davidson gets his face blown off, like, graphically, violently. Thank so, you know, goodness. like... Oh, you know what else? I'll give you some points. You know, Pete Davidson gets his face blown off, thank goodness, and I never liked that guy, but the the girl, Ratcatcher 2, which, by the way, the 2 was one of my favorite parts of the <laughs> that movie. That cracked me up the entire <laughs> That was so that, funny. Because I always watch movies with subtitles on. Every time she talks, it says Ratcatcher 2. <laughs> so I spent the entire movie thinking about Landfill 2. <laughs> it was real good. Uh, anyway, I just want to say she also has butthole eyes, so... It's true, she does. Uh, still a baddie. Would. Uh, and uh, anything else worth saying there? You know what? Harley Quinn, when she kills that one guy who tried to woo her, uh, what she said to him, I was like, you know what? She really needed that. That was that was like a good move for the character, you know? I think it's a good way to like move the character forward because she's always tied a little too much to the Joker. And in this, now she's her own character. And it's like, you know, I'm glad that we as Americans can move forward with this uh, character who's now sort of forced upon us uh anyway after the movie was done and I, I do think it's good and one last thing here is alex your my your mileage will definitely vary but i'm actually going to give it a recommendation although it, it is over two hours which um strike one yeah that's uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is the, but is also like no strike two <laughs> if i said yes you would have also said strike two yeah, that's the correct joke, dude yeah <laughs> Yeah. I just at this point, you know, if, if the conflict movie is under two and a half, I'm counting it as a W, which is no goalpost moving. I'm not happy about. I am yeah. standing my ground. You need me on this wall. Like, uh, well, no, I have to watch these <laughs> movies. No my, my my brain won't let me not watch them. I mean, I I say that I still haven't seen Black Widow because uh, why? Yeah. Why yeah, would I? Right. Yeah, what's the point? I. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you know, good movie. I, I had a very, very good time. I'm glad movies like this still exist. So after I was done, I was like, well, what's something What'd that... What'd you eat? I, I actually drank something. And I was like, Hell you yeah. know, I would drink something that only the bad guys drink. <laughs> and I got a, a Broken Skull IPA by my favorite alien, Stone Cold E.T. Aren't you happy I reminded you of that yesterday? Thank you very much. I hadn't thought about that in ten years. Alex, what did you watch? <laughs> Literally nothing. Parker, what did you watch? Oh, hell yeah, King. Uh, not much. I've been a busy beaver over here. Well, uh, we just well, talked I mean, about not, Suicide Not too Squad, busy but... to find 150 minutes for Suicide Squad, dude. I mean, it was... It was 132. It was a group effort. It was a group effort. Excuse me. So, uh... You know what? I don't really have much to talk about. The only other movie I watched... I'm starting all of John Carpenter's movies. I watched Dark Star don't have a lot to say about it not a very exciting movie a uh, lot of interesting ideas but uh you can tell it's mostly a student film so uh we don't have to talk about that chris i remember I you say, watched that way back in the day yeah i watched it with the other alex and we were like desperate to find something to say about it and there's just not much there but i i, I will say that we both like the beach ball that's supposed to be an alien i um, love the beach ball yeah, uh, I, I love the country music song that they play. That is the only good country song. I really, really like it. No offense, Parker. And I also, I'll say this in the movie's favor. It is, it's got that thing that old John Carpenter movies have where you watch it and based on the way that it's shot, you can immediately tell this is a John Carpenter movie. And uh, I think that's a good thing. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend Dark Star. Uh, you may have been better off starting off with uh, Assault on Precinct 13. 
Alex, don't ask which one. And uh, my smooth brain <laughs> won't let that happen. And you know that. When you, when you get to when you get to that, uh, which I probably going to be in the next movie you watch, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. I think you'll have a really good time with it because it's still really good. Um. Okay. Well. Well, my problem with Dark Star is that was the movie I watched on Pluto TV. So just boring, boring, boring. Same three commercials in a loop for about two hours. It was rough. It's been a rough week for Pluto TV. That is getting uninstalled the second we are done recording. I will. Well, stay tuned for next week's episode of Pluto Nash. Go ahead. (laughs) The kind of meta narrative of the movie about, you know, how. God damn it. <laughs> I'm busy next week. How the whole movie is like a joint production with John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon. And how, like, they go up on opening night and Dan O'Bannon's like, oh, cool. It's like, are they getting the jokes? Are they laughing? And the guy's like, uh, there's who? And he just goes in the theater and it's fucking empty. <laughs> so I enjoy, like, the whole meta aspect of him just taking all that energy and writing Alien and be like, oh, you don't think the Beach Wiley funny? Well, fuck you. Look at this nightmare thing. It just fucking bleeds acid and it kills everyone you're not fucking laughing now are you and also he has this weird attachment to this movie like he keeps going back and trying to like recut it and restore it and there's like three different versions of it and john carpenter's just like yeah it was a student movie probably should have stayed one we shouldn't have shot anymore and then just never talks about it ever again you know they john carpenter been... could not care less about dark star they would have been laughing more if the joker had directed it or been you know what i've been saying that well, uh, yeah, not a very good movie. Well, uh, if yeah. we're in it, then it's good that there was nobody in that theater on opening night. <laughs> cut that. Okay, so do uh, not <laughs> dare cut that. <laughs> I spent <laughs> <start, laughs> fucking an hour of movies I didn't watch. Don't you dare cut my it's, fucking it's, joke. It, it's 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 always a little bit funnier <laughs> when I just say it under my breath. I know. <laughs> now I have to leave right, that boys. in. Yes. Okay, let's talk about Double Impact, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Put my notes here. Uh, you want to talk about first and second strike in your movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this. Uh, right, so what's the plot? Uh, they're both twins separated at birth. How do you distinguish them? One's hair is slightly one slicked has back. Yes, yeah, yeah. One of them is has his hair slicked back. The other has a Hank Hill haircut for some reason. Just leave him in the fucking blue and pink jumpsuit for the whole movie. Make it easy on us. Like, yeah, exactly. On, also, I kind of want to see that bussy. Come on, it's, it's nice and. <laughs> I felt like Jack Torrance just typing. Just give him a hat. Just give him a hat. Put a fucking hat on him. Put a hat on anything. Dude, yeah, so this sequence with, like, these two babies uh, getting, I guess, kidnapped, <laughs> and getting separate, it goes fucking forever, I, but I have to say, I am gratified <laughs> the that... The of the Far East. No, dude, I, I gotta tell you, I am gratified that the babies didn't look like that baby from Twilight, okay? Because that still oh, haunts yeah, my nightmares. Dude, the cold open of this movie... I did not expect how violently the parents would die. Dude. Yeah. It's insane. Oh yeah, the yeah. squibs on this fucking dad. His arm—he gets shot in the arm, and it looks like a pit bull tore at him. Like, dude, it's insane. Dude, it, it is a vaccine. good thing. Dude, it was a <laughs> Parker. Parker, it's a good thing that you and I watched the Suicide Squad before this, because if we had, we would have been like, "Whoa, jeez, where's the X rating?" <laughs> I love the fact that the mom's just in like, 
What's gonna happen to my babies? And then the fucking bad guy from Bloodsport just walks in with a shotgun and goes, You'll never know. It just blows her face off. And that's the end of the prologue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, fucking dude. Five stars, man. Seriously, like, she's like crawling on the ground and you just hear some Asian dude in the background going, She's coming right towards us! And she gets lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> Jesus so... Christ, she's coming right for us! <laughs> <laughs> she made a move towards me. <laughs> and that's the movie. It is. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, you have like the triads and all their guns. And on the other hand, you got these babies who are unironically amused by Peekaboo. It's not even a contest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the babies, they're they are getting separate. After a bit, I didn't really have a lot of notes for this. They were just sort of like, where are they going? I, I'm just interested in the story. You I, know? Had, I had one note, and it's like, oh no, please don't let that old British man take that baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. That baby's no, no, going Alex. to James Gunn's. Oh, he stole it. Damn. Got you, bitch. You got, you got me. Damn it. That baby's oh. going to get left in a cave in Thailand somewhere. Oh, no. Jeez. <laughs> it's so funny. They're like, oh my God, the person's <laughs> dead. Right get the kids out of there. And then the nanny just takes one baby and runs off. <laughs> <laughs> the other baby's just left in the care of their security detail, who also let the parents get murdered. Yeah, uh, and then we just cut to twenty five years later, and the security whoa, 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 detail, whoa, whoa. and one of the Jean Claude's is at an aerobics studio. No, wait, wait before aerobics we get there, I will say the karate. Sorry. Yeah, I want I want to talk about the like the one note I took on the scene is that one guy gets the security detail escapes with one baby, and he <laughs> runs away, and I was just like, oh my god, he's going to train that baby in Jakarta. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we're going to take How a many times has Jakarta, Jakarta come up on this show? <laughs> Not enough, dude. I should rewatch the raid. Anyway, uh, so 25 years later, they're trying to tell me Jean-Claude Van Damme is 25 years old in this? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Go for uh, yourself. Anyway, uh, we go to the combination kar- karate and... <laughs> Was that yoga that they're doing? Aerobics, something I'm like at that. The aerobics He's studio. Uh, yeah, I mean we can talk. Dojo. Did, you, <laughs> did you say aerobics? I got this fucking thing. So, anyway, uh, so Chris, why are you showing us your Zemeckis cubes? Shut up. So he's doing like the Leave stretches and the. No, and he's just, <laughs> he's doing like the the stretches and the bends and everything, and he's got like the leotard on and the tights, and you can see. Chris, you can't say leotard anymore. That was solely for Josh. (laughs) (sighs) The look on your face as you had to process whether you or I was actually serious or not. Uh, No, that's not that's not what I was thinking. I I I will tell you this. I was just like that sounds like something Josh would. (laughs) And I just stopped. So anyway. So he's wearing tights, and uh, I also noticed that he's wearing like the leg warmers that they used to wear back then. And uh, I kind of, I kind of, kind of wonder like why did women even wear the leg warmers? Because like you're already hot enough in there, or you're already sweating. You don't want to be any warmer in there. So women, shape up. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, 
Anyway, the, he gets pulled off the karate class, or the aerobics class, where he's just showing all the women, the women are like, ooh, Jacqueline Van Damme. And he's like, now the important part of aerobics is stretching. Observe. And he does the splits. It just is, and now you rock back and forth, and, which is maybe the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. And all the women are just like, oh, God, Sean Claude. <laughs> the first 10 minutes of this movie is a graphic double murder, and then Jean Claude Van Damme goat seeing the camera. It's intense. There's a lot happening. You can see all the way up there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, now, because I have big legs, I'm like, oh, you don't need to show off. I can do this. And he just goes full 90. No daylight. You know, you can't even never see his... Comfortable watching that. Yeah, he could... You could <laughs> never... You can't even see his, like, his pit bull dick and balls in there because it's just all the way to the floor. <laughs> Joke for literally only us. That's okay. <laughs> no. I'll take the joke. That was on the first attempt we had of starting the episode. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Glad I deleted that out. Anyway, uh, so he's like, hey, uh, you're off aerobics duty. You have to go to karate. He's like, wait, I, I'm actually teaching them right now. I'm getting paid to do it. He's like, don't care. Go to karate. So the women are just uh, paying for nothing, I guess. I guess they just do more stretches. A lot of and questions he goes about to, this business model, yeah. Yeah, and so he just goes to karate class where he is the instructor. And uh, there are some guys just kicking each other in the face and yelling. And one guy's got a black eye, and uh, Sean Clark's like, Tell me, how did this happen? And he's like, nothing. He's like, no, come on. Show me some of your special kicks. Uh, Parker, you took karate. What are uh-huh. special kicks? They're the ones where you, like, charge up and they're unblockable, right? Yeah. I mean, also, I didn't have a fuchsia gi on when I took my classes, so my kicks wouldn't have been nearly as effective. What color was that? Fuchsia. You like that? Yeah, yeah. Most guys so, call uh, it Whatever. Important to mention that uh, the guy <laughs> in like this scene sounds literally more like the South Park version of Russell Crowe than I've ever heard anybody else sound in my life. <laughs> oh my god, he does! Holy shit! Dude, there's like three heavies in this movie that are fighting with everything they have to keep an English accent, and Jean-Claude Van Damme is not one of them. Jean-Claude, he gets into a stance and like, come on, give me your best shot, and the guy's like, right! <laughs> <He just> gets... <laughs> It does like the like shittiest kick. Cancer, it does like the he does like the, the he <laughs> tries to like the, the like the brush those woman's face toward a kick, and Jean Claude <laughs> does a roundhouse. And look, I have to admit, I'm still on no retreat, no surrender. I'm pretty sure he made contact with that guy's jaw, all right, <laughs> just turned around and just decapitated that guy. <clears throat> so that guy is. Uh... Oh my god, it's Russell Crowe! Oh my god. <laughs> Where's that pussy Prius? Okay, right, so uh, sorry guys. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yep. sorry. <laughs> Your fault again. Uh, you know, okay. <laughs> actually, tell you what, I'm, I'm gonna. I want to say like a defense of Jean Claude Van Damme here. Um, he speaks better English than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did at the height of his career. Right now, Arnold's pretty good at English, whereas Jean Claude, I think, is regressing a little bit from what I've seen from him uh, recently. But it's weird because I've always said that acting is a communicative art. But the guy who speaks better English in American movies never had anywhere near the screen impact that Arnold did. So what's more, uh, what communicates better with the American populace than the English language? Big brawny muscles. So get in the gym, everybody. 
Uh, I always respected more that Arnold never even attempted to explain, like, oh, hello, this is the giant Austrian named John Matrix who just lives in West Virginia. Meanwhile, this movie's like, oh, yeah, it's me. I was raised in Hong Kong. I was raised in Miami. But we both have French accents. Wow, thanks, Uncle Freddy, for raising me in France and then moving to be Miami. Like, no, don't try and bullshit me. Don't play around. Just, Arnold never <laughs> tried to own up to it. Well, he just showed up looking like a monster, had a name like Rick Stevenson. And you're like, yeah, sure, why not, man? <laughs> yeah, of course he is. And his movies are better as a result. So Jean Claude Van Damme, which which one is this? This there's a uh, two Jean Claude Van Dams. Uh, what are their character names again? <laughs> oh, you mean Chad and Alex? <laughs> <laughs> it's it never got old. Too. It's too. And, uh, um, you know, a big problem with this movie is, as we joked about, they make no attempt to distinguish who's who. So every time one's on screen, whoever's talking to them is saying their name. So every scene is, Ah, Alex, welcome to Hong Kong. Ah, Chad, hang on. Chad, what are you doing? Oh, it's not me. This is Alex. And that's every line of dialogue the entire movie. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. So, which I don't remember which one is which. I don't care. I'm just going to say Jean-Claude Van Damme talks to Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) <laughs> the fact that the cool badass one is named Alex and not Chad is so oh, fucked up. Yeah, it makes me so mad. Basically, means the movie's unwatchable. So zero stars out of ten. Uh, he Correct. they go to I guess Hong Kong for reasons, and as soon as they walk into the bar, Jean Claude Van Damme is on, like, "Hold on, do you want to know what the reason was?" Yeah, I forgot already. So the old British guy finds finally finds the long lost twin. And then he tells oh, yeah. Miami Long or Miami Jean Claude, "Hey, you gotta trust me and go on this plane, and I'm not gonna tell you why." Which is <laughs> one of the worst setups to anything I've ever seen in my life, and the reason that I need to bring it up because, like, literally the entire conflict between the two brothers is because this douchebag British guy would be like, "Yeah, we're gonna go beat your long lost brother," like just didn't bother <laughs> to tell him they're in Hong Kong the people there are mistaking for his brother and he just won't fucking break the yeah, news just, yeah actually wow, like, yeah, downtown, Hong sure Kong is friendly. I you stole my fucking joke I was about to say that because as soon as he as soon as he walks into that bar some guy comes up to him and yells at him in Chinese and hands him a wad of cash and I was about to say, I actually literally wrote down the words wow people downtown sure are friendly this is why the one that sucks is named after you <laughs> so he walks into like the back room and sees a hot blonde, and uh, she's she is she has two fingers deep into his grundle, and uh, then he gets knocked out by himself, and he says about himself, "I would never wear black silk underwear." And you know what? I could go for a pair of black silk underwear. I bet it feels really good on my dick and balls. Shame you'll never know, Chad. You know, <laughs> thought things were going well between us. <laughs> okay, so we should also talk about some of the other physical differences between uh, Chad and Alex. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. One of them is six feet tall. The other Time isn't. To air this out, finally. <laughs> uh, one, of, one of them dresses like Mad Max, and the other dresses like Randy Rainbow. Clear winner there. <laughs> uh. Let me see. Uh, I have to admit, I, I kind of stopped taking notes for a bit. They only have sporadic notes. At one point, they're fighting on a boat, right? And the boat, there's like, there's like a car, right? And there's like a car on the boat. It's the boat's transferring cars, and 
Alex is the badass uh, version of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And he just, he looks at, like, uh, one of the bad guys who's about to, like, kick him in the face. And the guy's like, oh, no, please don't kick me in the face. He, and he just goes, like, mm, and tells him to, like, run and jump in the water. The guy does so, and as he runs past the car, he hits the side mirror, which is clearly made of rubber. And I've never <laughs> seen that before. I've never seen a rubber side mirror before. So, wow. Wow. Uh, Hollywood props sure are friendly. Uh, I've, I ju- I've just never seen that. It's uh, That was one of the few things that I've never seen before. Also, uh, another note on here. I think when they're in like Hong Kong, or, or maybe it was mainland China. I don't even remember where they were. It was Hong Kong. I saw a, f- I, I saw a frog get its head chopped off. I didn't need to see that. I'm not, watching, not care for that. I'm not watching Cannibal Holocaust. There's no reason to show that. I'm also not going to eat that. Also, I, although I will yeah, say but- that, that, that it comes right before a scene where... Uh, Chad, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme says, what, am I supposed to eat this? Will it make my dick big? I'm like, you just said it was already big. <laughs> he typical typical and Chad. Looks at Chad. other Jean-Claude Van Damme, and they just stare at each other, and then the scene ends. I mean, it's, t- it's really ominous. I have to say, it's a typical Chad move, trying to hog all the big dick energy for himself. Can you imagine being the fucking British guy and every time you film a scene, they're like, all right, that's the best take we got. And then he slicks his hair back and has to do the other character. <laughs> he puts on I a brown leather jacket. <laughs> so I, I will say that uh, the two Jean-Claude Van Dams are, it's basically fine. Like when they're filming in like the same room, like it's more or less like, you know how they did it. It's like, oh, they filmed like this, they filmed like this, and it's like, they just sort of put them like side to side. Or sometimes like, oh, we filmed from this angle, then we filmed from this angle, and then we just sort of put, you know, the two together. And it's fine, like, I know how they did it, but it's never distracting. You know, like, there's never like that, like, blurry line between them. You know, it's it's always like, I, even if I know how they did it, like, I'm never thinking about that. It's always like, it's not distracting. And I think that's pretty impressive, at least for 1991. Yeah. I'm sure movies have done that beforehand. Yeah. Really, really like like st- when I saw this premise with this actor and also the same actor as the leads, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a fucking nightmare." The one of them's gonna look like a puppet. They're gonna have a dude who's like 180 pounds, like playing him like with like the back of his head in a scene, and like, no, that actually looks great. Yeah, they they do a really good job with it. Sometimes it's rare. Per- Sometimes it's rear projection, sometimes it's just like putting them into the scene. It's it's well done, but part of it is just using old school movie tricks. It's just they, they, they just work well together and you never question it. You're just like, okay I believe that there's two of them, and that's fine. Uh, I will say that there's one sort of thing that I went uh, going in here that I thought would happen that didn't happen is I thought the two Jean-Claude Van Dams were going to fight each other. I guess I was sort of expecting like a face-off sort of situation. And uh, they don't fight each other. Instead, they fight other guys. And you're like, oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme teams up with Jean-Claude Van Damme? That sounds like a treat. And, uh, yeah, sort of, more or less. I gotta tell you, maybe too many guns in this movie. You know? A lot of guns. Yeah. Every fist fight is both of them doing the same kicks over and over and over. Yeah. And here's the key, like, you go back to, like, the classic Bruce Lee movies. The first thing you do, if someone has a... or Jackie Chan movies. The first thing you do is you disarm the enemy. If someone has a gun, you can't shoot the scene anymore. Because he can just shoot you and you're dead, and that's no fun. First thing you do is you have to disarm everyone. Find some way to disarm. It doesn't have to be Bruce Lee, it doesn't have to be Jackie Chan, it doesn't have to be Iko Uwes. But some way or another, the bad guy has to drop his gun, and he has to resort to his fists and his feet. And in this one, everyone's shooting some machine guns at each other, and I guess it's sort of an American action movie perspective, but 
I mean, we, we got a kickboxer here, you know, and I want to see him kickbox. And when he's just doing the whole balance on one foot, while well, my foot's way up here going like this the whole time, and some guy's got an Uzi on the other side of the screen, that, I don't know, I think it's a little too much. It doesn't quite work the way that it ought to. So just hypothetically speaking here, so the gun has the advantage over the sword at 21 feet. How many feet do you lose at, like, as the guy who just has a foot? Like six? Seven? I think it's like, it's gotta be higher than that. You lose a lot of advantage. Parker, you know, that guy lives in your neighborhood. You can just go ask him. <laughs> now, are we talking about, like, feet as in measuring or literally feet or both? Yes. I, I... I'm gonna get some diagrams <laughs> out, okay. Well, tell you what, I, I didn't take a lot of notes about this because a lot of it is just like sort of serious story mode and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff I could make fun of, but we got to talk about the sex scene. Correct. Oh my god. Yeah, this the is pretty much the, the meat of the movie right here, and I use that term with as much uh, double entendre as I can. Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, imagines... Jean-Claude Van Damme having sex with a beautiful blonde woman with big bosoms and he gets so mad about it that he drinks a lot of alcohol and listens to Limp Biscuit and starts breaking stuff in that abandoned hideout. You know the culture in it's, Hong Kong. Just, uh... They're super aggressive. It's that scene in Hot Rod where he punch dances his feelings away in the forest. <laughs> Except it's just him getting drunk by himself destroying an abandoned house vividly imagining his twin brother who looks and sounds like him banging his girlfriend <laughs> dude it, it was just so... because like there's a miscommunication yeah the whole it's great so because like Jean-Claude Van Damme walks in with Jean-Claude Van Damme's girlfriend Jean-Claude Van Damme says to Jean-Claude Van Damme oh it's not what it looks like and Jean-Claude Van Damme no. says you bitch we were watching TJ Hooker <laughs> <laughs> with a prostitute <laughs> so I this does lead to one of the uh, greatest lines in the movie that you can't say in movies anymore uh, uh, someone tells Jean-Claude Van Damme come on you're drunk to which he responds today I may be drunk but tomorrow I will be sober and he'll always be a faggot. <laughs> it's like good own on yourself. Dude. <laughs> uh, Winston Churchill couldn't have said it better. <laughs> well, that's true, at least. Yeah. Well, uh, are there any other notes? Because the last note I have is on the the very, very, very end of the movie. I mean, oh my god. The, so first of all, why does this movie have like twenty bad guys? I don't understand, like, the bad guy Very hierarchy. Like, I know there's a lot of them, but, like, normally if it's, like, he's going up against, like, the criminal organization or whatever, I understand who's at the top. But, like, is the other British guy at the top? Is Bolo Young, like, seventh? Like, how does it... What? How does this work? This movie is about an hour fifty. It's mostly plot. In every scene you get to and go, wait, why are we here? Why are we on this boat in Hong Kong? Why are we at this nightclub? Why did we get here? Oh, we got. How do we end here? We gotta talk about uh, Jean Claude's uh, cognac delivery to the club out of <laughs> nowhere. I don't even remember that. That definitely feels like three deleted scenes. Like, why do they both dress the same? Why does no one know that the other one's there? And then it amounts to like an explosion going off, no one getting hurt, and the bad guy going, 
Jesus Christ, there's two of them. And then we just got to the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> this movie could have been 87 minutes long. Well, you know, there's something in favor of this is that, like, today you could do that sort of scene. Like, you, you could put them, like, side by side with each other or one right behind the other, and you'd have no trouble with it because you just do, like, that deep fake technology. You know, like that thing where they put, like, they CGI, like, Tom Cruise's face onto some other person. And it's just like, oh, it's him, and you can't even tell the difference. It's like... Yeah, I guess you can do it, but in this they use like actual movie techniques, and you can kind of see the work that goes into it, and artistically and uh, visually, it just looks better. And I, I think I kind of prefer it that way. I, I don't know. I, I'm defending a movie that I, I don't really have very much to say about, I suppose. So uh, let's get back to my wheelhouse. Bruce Lee, Bolo Young, who was in fact in uh, Enter the Dragon. Can we just talk about how big this guy is? His bigness is enormous. Is He's astonishing absolutely the widest neck i've ever seen in my life it's i keep confusing him with uh who's the guy who played i think he played thunder in big trouble in little china a similarly gigantic asian man they gotta meet up and like drink beer together or whatever like really big guys yeah, i don't they know they but, can't like, occupy yeah, the they, same they, space <laughs> they can't they're, they're little their arms are like too wide to like reach down for like the glass to, like lift up or whatever they merge into taquito spices <laughs> <laughs> oh I I, pulled that name uh it's blacked incredible. out for a second it's been a while since that guy's neck uh Anyway, this guy, when he takes his shirt... You know what's weird about Bolo Young in this movie? Is that when he when he's, like, wearing a suit and tie, I don't know how they put the jacket on him. Because he looks, like, <laughs> kind of skinny in it. They, they're just like, yeah, your, your shoulders aren't that broad. And, and it's, like, jackets, like, this wide. That's it. He takes off that jacket, and he, he just expands. You know? Like, he's taking all the air molecules around him, and he just goes... And his titties are, like, gigantic. He looks CGI. He does. He is insane. I I mean, there's like, oh yeah, I was really into bodybuilding. And I was like, no one's that into bodybuilding. Sir, you cheated. You used steroids. I'm jealous. Hook me up. I will never say it to his face. You cheated I, not I would, just no, the game, but yourself. Also, he wouldn't understand. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> do we have any other notes to say? Because I want to talk about the freeze frame. <laughs> Um, I would like I would like to talk about the fight between Jean-Claude and Bolo Jung, which happens like... 35 minutes before the end of the movie somehow please do yeah <laughs> so honestly like all the props in the world to bolo young who sells every single one of those spin kicks that's clearly oh, yeah. not actually hitting him in the face like way better yeah. than i'd ever expect anyone to like that is a plus level like fight choreography in a way that this movie does not deserve absolutely <laughs> does not deserve it well, also, he had A-plus chemistry with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. They worked together earlier in Bloodsport, and uh, they they knew each other's moves. Also, uh, Bolo Young took a lot of fake blows from Bruce Lee, so he knows how to sell. Absolutely. So. And, like, they do the thing that I always love in these movies, where they have the camera behind the guy getting kicked. So, like, you get to see, like, the entire wind-up of the kick, so you know the kick is real. And the guy, like, turns his head, and it's like, I don't care that I know he's not getting kicked, because it just looks cool. Also, more movies need a scene where someone dies by getting thrown into an electrical box. Like, that's just... It always works. Literally one. Didn't someone get killed in one of the Beethoven movies that way? Hopefully. <laughs> they kill him like you kill a fucking horror movie monster. Yeah. Like, bullets aren't affecting, we have to electrocute him. Yeah. 
And then there's 30 minutes of movie yeah. left. Yeah, and an old I, white guy gets crushed by a ship. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Okay, yeah, that's right. That guy looks up. That. Yeah, dude. First of all, also like looking, and he just sees the shipping container right over. He goes, ah! It splatters him Honestly, all over the, the place. The closest thing I've ever seen in a movie to a Drew Pickles train scream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then uh, shit! I'm thinking about the sex scene again. <laughs> yeah, well, then it ends on a freeze frame of uh, of of Jean Claude Van Damme doing this, and I'm glad this is a video podcast because I'd get canceled for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, jeez. He saves the day. The girl goes back to Alex. Uncle Daddy shows up like, hey, I'm still alive after getting tortured with steam. And he just gives the fucking A-OK. <laughs> how did none in the of us... shittiest raps. How did none of us bring up the steam torture? I forgot they about just that. steam him while he's on a walkie-talkie. Be like, yeah, we're gonna get him now. As they just blow hot steam in his face. He's like, ah! Hey, Chad and Alex, kill me! down there in the torture chamber. Hey, Krillin and Pericles, look down in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Stop the steam cycle. Okay. Yeah, okay, so the main takeaway from Double Impact is it's a great idea. You know, two Jean-Claude Van Damme's, that's double the fun. That sounds like a treat. But at double the runtime, I'm not feeling it, you know? An hour and 50 is way too long for a movie like this. And it, it also takes itself maybe a little too seriously. You don't really make any jokes about this? I could, I could use a few more jokes about two Jean-Claude Van Damme's. Don't get it's any of them. Just such a. You've got to know what your limits are as an actor. Like you cannot take on. Yeah, I'll be one and two on the fucking call sheet. Let's go. You have to know your fucking place. Because this is like still around Prime Van Dam. Like we're not even at hard target yet. He's still got mm-hmm. some good shit left in him. But you watch this and you just see the wheels start to fall off. You're like, oh, this is where it's going to start falling apart. Because like, mm-hmm. he is yeah. really, he's got a co-writing credit. That is bad news bears yeah, that, for your movie. And, and a production credit, I believe. Like, uh, I, yeah, that's... So my thing is, like, when Alex shows up, uh, the English accent, or the American accent starts, or whatever accent, starts to disappear a little bit, and it becomes about as unintelligible as Gerard Butler in Tomb Raider Cradle of Life, you know? <laughs> Or any other movie. Or, or, (laughs) (laughs) now I'm thinking about when Gerard Butler landed on that Chinese, like, houseboat, and the only thing they're trying to watch, like, Chinese SpongeBob. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, they come in with the Terracol Warriors. You gotta know it. They want to go on Terry Way. Like, the thing is, like, you can make this movie if you're Jean Claude Van Damme at this point in his career, but it's gotta, like, it's gotta look like Tiger Claws. It's gotta look like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, honestly, you're right. Like, this is, this movie is is too well made for as shitty as it is like you gotta do one or the other you either give me like like a well-made movie with like a real person plot or you give me fucking schlock with these two with this guy playing his own brother like i'm happy with either you can't middle it it doesn't work ever Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely makes sense that he does hard targets soon after because this feels like a movie it's like oh we're gonna do like a cool john woo thing and then you see it and you're like Hey, is John Woo busy? Because this didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Can he just actually make it instead? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of double fist and guns, and it just okay. So I lacks the style. I have a question. I have an answer. Absolutely. At the uh, the <laughs> the explosive cognac crate scene, is that guy that answers <laughs> the door our friend, the Yi guy? 
I I had to look it up. Is it not? Is it's he? Not. Is he? That's no, because no. that. But his accent is struggling to get out. <laughs> he does not talk like a human being. He doesn't know. All right, here's a callback for Parker and Parker only. You know who that guy looks uh-huh. like? You remember the fucking <laughs> meme with the bro holding the two kegs of Sprite? <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, uh, Jean-Claude Van <laughs> shows up, and Brosive Brad's at the door, and he stops <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> Again, literally only for you. <laughs> and that's the tea, sis.